stupid fault because we didn't record this when we should have well okay partly yes but also it was the movie's stupid fault for being so stupid i didn't even know what was happening 90 percent of the time yeah like i think i said this last night when we were watching it like the that that opening book that scrolls across the screen right they really need to play that at multiple times throughout the movie Mm-hmm. So that you know what's going on. I think it should just forever be on, like, take up half the screen. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be really small print. So, like, you got to, like... Either that or they need, like, a director's commentary to, like, play. <laughs> like, the, the story's playing and it pauses. And then you see, like, the director slide the frame aside <laughs> and then say, Okay, now we're going to talk about the movie. <laughs> He's German. He has a funny accent. Well, I don't want to say funny. He has an accent. Uh-huh. Uh, but that's not what he sounds like. <laughs> yeah, I feel like... But then that's too much work. I think just half the screen should be the book, and half the screen should be the actual movie. Yeah. Or maybe, like, three-fourths of the screen should be the book. What Because, like, what's really that important? What if the character... Like, what if a character in the movie was the book? Like, they just stopped at random times and narrated for us. Yeah. It did not have a lot of... Okay. It didn't have, like, a lot of exposition. And the exposition it did have didn't really help, so... It was like they over-explained things that didn't need over-explaining. Right. And then under-explained the things that should have had more explanation. Exactly. That's it. That's all I have to say about this movie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was a great time. Yeah. Thanks for coming by, everybody. Yeah. Um, That's it. <laughs> See you next week. What if we did that? That'd what if we great. just ended the podcast? Yeah. Oh, yeah, perfect. <laughs> Welcome to Bad Movie Date Night, the only podcast with a husband and wife who talk about movies together. You're not going to interrupt me, though? No. <laughs> I am your host, Nigel, from ajourneyintofilm.com, and with me is my wife, Caitlin. Hello. Caitlin, would you like to tell everybody how many times you fell asleep during this movie? Twice. Once each time we watched it? That's right. At the same time? At the same time. (laughs) So there's a whole scene that is missing from my head. Thankfully, it wasn't a long spurt, and I missed the exact same part every time, so that's confusing. Yeah. I guess I should have introduced the movie before I asked you that question. Uh, This week we're talking about Alone in the Dark, the 2005 movie from Uva Boll, starring Christian Slater, Tara Reid, and Stephen Dorff. It was great. It was a movie. Poopy garbage. (laughs) He made a movie, and it was about the hibiscus. And the abacus, <laughs> the abiscus, the um, the arachnid thing, the abiscus, <laughs> and ordinate, which is another name for the y axis. Oh, yeah, this movie was about the y axis <laughs> and the x axis, 
And the x-axis. Axis or axi? Axi. Axi. In the Z line. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And it was about aliens. Except they weren't like aliens. They were like dog monsters. They were like zombies. They were like... No, they weren't zombies. What am I talking about? people were zombies. That's what you think. Uh, Yeah, they were like dog monsters. Yeah. So it was about the hibiscus and finding different pieces of the hibiscus to make a doorknob. And they put it on the right door that that wanted to be open because some doors aren't meant to be open. And then they had dogs in there. And demon then, dog. Demon dogs. Demon monster dogs. And then the government got involved, and it's always no good when the government began involved in your life. And the government said, I'm going to kidnap these orphan kids. I'm going to take them and experiment on them. And they put these little bugs inside the orphans, which I don't really understand. And I don't even even understand what that did or what the purpose of the bug was. And then they all died. So I really don't understand it. Moral of the story, I don't understand this movie. The end. Thank you all for coming. Thank you for coming to our podcast. (laughs) So Hollywood, since the dawn of Hollywood... Let's actually, let's skip ahead a little bit. Since the dawn of computers has been trying to make a good video game movie. Yeah. Uh, The Resident Evil franchise, financially successful. Not great movies, but they're not going to be on this podcast. A lot of people got angry when Sonic the Hedgehog didn't look quite right. Whatever happened to that movie? Did it get made? Sonic the Hedgehog? Yeah. They said, oh, we hear you. They they were gonna fix it. They're gonna fix Sonic. That's right. And they're gonna delay the movie. That's right. That's right. Like they should have done for a certain superhero movie that I have a mild obsession with. Anyway, the Tomb Raider movies mm-hmm. with uh, Angelina Jolie, mm-hmm. mildly successful, mm-hmm. not great. The recent Tomb Raider movie with Alicia Vikander, mildly successful, but not great. As you can see, there's a trend with video game movies. They are not good. And one man has risen above all video game movies to be the king of the worst video game movies, and that is Uva Bowl. I want to put a poll out there. Okay, so two things. You need to give me access to our Instagram so I can be like, polls, okay? Okay. That's the sound the poll makes. Okay. And I'll be putting up polls because I want to know everyone's opinion on things. Okay. So that makes me angry because they're wrong. But anyway, I want to make a poll about what is the worst super, not super, video game movie out there. Because maybe this isn't the worst one. And I want to know what the worst one actually is. I feel like people would argue that a mainstream video game movie is really bad. I don't care. I just want to know. like this movie. I'm going to ask them, did you watch this movie? And your opinion will only be valid if you have seen this movie. Yeah. All right. That's it. That's all you want Give to say. Give me access. Yes. Okay. Maybe we should just make a bad movie date night Twitter. Why all, can't I use Instagram? I meant Instagram. Who uses Twitter anymore? Oh. Yeah. Crazy people. That's who. Yeah. So, Uva Bowl. Let's yes. talk about Uva Bowl for a second. Okay. Let's do it. He is notorious for making some of the worst modern movies of all time. What else did he make? 
nothing that you would know. Okay. But he made the movie Blood Rain, which is also a video game movie. He also made House of the Dead, which is another video game movie. Wow, he must like video games. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Okay. So a lot of people say that he's basically a modern-day Ed Wood or a modern-day Tommy Wiseau. (laughs) Oh, boy. But let me tell you why that's not true. First of all, I'm pretty sure Uwe Boll hates movies. (laughs) I was not able to do sufficient research into this man to prepare for this podcast. But there is a documentary called The Uva Bull Story. There is a longer title, but there's some language in it, and I can't remember exactly what it is. <laughs> but you can pretty much find it online as The Uva Bull Story. I was just too cheap to rent it, because... I would not rent something after watching his movies. Yeah. So, he... Basically, he's never made a financially successful movie. He... His movies consent consistently are in the very very bottom ratings on any aggregate review website that seems fair you know we don't really like to give a lot of credit to sites like rotten tomatoes personally but this might be warranted so let's talk about why he's such a terrible filmmaker and let's talk about how he has become filthy rich off of this Okay. So for a short period of time, <laughs> in Germany, they had this really cool tax law. Okay. Where if you used, like, I forget all of the details, but if you used, like, a full German crew and filmed a portion of your movie in Germany, you didn't have to pay taxes on the movie. Okay. For, like, a whole year or something like that. But you also only had to pay taxes if the movie was financially successful. Otherwise, you could just write off the movie. Oh, wow. So what Uwe Boll did was he purchased video game movie rights from companies like Sega for dirt cheap. Uh Uh-huh. Made crappy movies, and he didn't have to pay taxes on the movies then. Huh. He pretty much, like, self-finances everything. He's his own producer, writer, and director sometimes. Sometimes writer, but producer and director. Huh. And, uh... So he just pays his cast and part of his crew. Pretty much. And if you listen to interviews of him, people who talk about working with him, they just say that he's constantly like, all right, all right, all right, let's shoot, let's shoot. Why aren't we shooting? We should be shooting right now. Because time is money. (laughs) Exactly. And he's just like, let's just get this done as quick as possible. So he's like, one take. Probably. I. It would not surprise me if he did not do more than one take. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So that's like the short version of what we were able to uncover with Uwe Boll. That's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, Germans making movies only had to pay taxes on returns that their movies made. So if his movies had been financially successful, mm-hmm. he'd have to pay taxes on the movies that they earned versus right. like what their budget was. But since they consistently came back millions of dollars under budget. He's just rolling in the dough. He's just rolling in the dough skis. Well, good for him for taking advantage. Yes. Uh, I guess since 2006, though, this tax break has Mm. been closed. But he still continued to make movies. And supposedly within the past... uh, I forget when his last movie... Because he kind of retired from movie making... Uh, but he his last movie came out in 2016. Okay. 
at one point he said, hey, if you give me all of this money, I can film three movies at the same time. And he managed to do it. Oh, my gosh. Uh, one of these movies is called Blubberella, an action comedy centered on an overweight woman whose footsteps cause explosions and whose dual swords are used against anyone who makes fun of her. Uh, we need to watch that. Oh, yeah. It's basically like this fat woman versus Nazis. What? And Uva Bowl plays Hitler. Okay, let's watch it. Right I, now, stop what we're doing. I actually think that we do need to watch this movie. It looks completely ridiculous. Yeah, this movie looks nuts. Right. So, that's just to give you an idea of this Uva Bowl character. I think he, if you listen to his interviews, he's kind of a jerk. And he has no regard for critics. Uh, I tried to pull some quotes, but there was a lot of language in them, and I didn't think we could bring the point. Yeah, well, I didn't think that we could give the proper, like, context without some of the language. Okay. Well, uh, he sounds like a good fella. He sounds like an interesting individual. Mm Mm-hmm. So anyways, let's talk about Alone in the Dark. Let's chat about this horrible film. I don't know what you want to talk about. I already told you. It's about dog monsters and the government be stealing orphans. That's it. Hide your orphans. Hide your nuns. (laughs) Hide your nuns. (laughs) Because they're taking everybody out here. That's right. Although, if you could explain to me what the bug thing was, that would be helpful. Caitlin, I was going to ask you to explain to me what the bug thing was. I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand. Why did they put bugs in them? Nigel, why did they put bugs in them? To save them. From what? They were saving them? No. Okay, let's, we'll get there in a second. Oh my god. So this is based off of like a horror video game. Let's, let's talk about, let's pause for a second. You and I do not play video games. No. So the fact that we're talking about video games, (laughs) we're just going to make fools out of ourselves. Yeah, I don't know anything about video games. I don't even know what I'm doing. In fact, I was playing a video game. With one of my children that I work with. And I was using the little Wii steering wheel. And my car kept getting stuck. And I it was just running up against a wall repeatedly. And I didn't know why. And my kid looked at me. <laughs> and he said, um, excuse me, that's upside down. And then he <laughs> fixed it for me. Wait, I got another fun story about me playing a video game. I was playing a video game with another kid that I worked with, and she was all the laps ahead of me, all of them, about to win. She waited right at the finish line for me, and then she took my controller and got me caught up to, like, maybe just, like, five feet behind her. And then she's like, okay, I'll let you get a head start. And she still beat me. She ran two races and still beat me. So Alone in the Dark. This movie is based off a video game, a yes. horror video game. That's right. Where you're like an investigator dude and you solve mysteries that are horror related. Uh they're like they're based a lot on HP Lovecraft stuff. At least that's that's kind interesting. Of what I was trying to understand of it. I was trying to find plots of all the games, but Wikipedia is really kind of not helpful with it. 
No. So the games probably don't have plots. So here is a quote from the original scriptwriter of this movie. It's a little bit of a long quote, but I think this illustrates what this movie was supposed to be, but it also illustrates the kind of director that Uwe Boll was. The original script took a lone-in-the-dark premise and depicted it as if it were actually based on a true story of a private investigator in the northern U.S. whose missing persons cases begin to uncover a disturbing paranormal secret. It was told through the eyes of the writer following Edward Carnby and his co-worker for a novel and depicted them as a real-life blue-collar folks who never expected to find hideous beings waiting for them in the dark. We tried to stick close to the H.P. Lovecraft style and low-tech nature of the original game, always keeping the horror in the shadows so you never saw what was coming for them. Thankfully, Dr. Bull was able to hire his loyal team of hacks to crank out something much better than our crappy story and add in all sorts of terrifying horror, movie essentials like opening gateways to alternate dimensions, bimbo blonde archaeologists, sex scenes, mad scientists, slimy dog monsters, special forces designed to battle slimy CG dog monsters, Tara Reed, Matrix slow-motion gun battles and car chases. Oh yeah, and a 10-minute opening backstory scrawl read aloud to the illiterate audience, the only people who were able to successfully miss all the negative reviews. I mean, hell, Bull knows that there's where the real scares lie. That's accurate. Yes, that was uh, pulled from somethingawful.com. So, Alone in the Dark. Mm-hmm. Starring Christian Slater. And Tara Reed. And Stephen Dorff. And Tara Reed. And Tara Reed. With more clothes on than like a homeless person. <laughs> yeah. But still as dumb as a box of rocks. And still as pointless as a box of rocks, also. <laughs> so this movie opens up with the longest opening scroll of narration I've ever read or had read to me in my entire life. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, there there might be some debate as to whether or not a movie is a good movie if it has opening like Star text Wars. like that. Yeah, because you got the Star Warses, mm-hmm. the Star Warses, the Star Wars, and you got the the Blade Runners right. of the world. Right. And those are great movies. Yes, they give you context. Mm-hmm. But then you have movies like this The one. Hunger Games mm-hmm. and this one. Where you read it and you say, why did you tell me that? I didn't realize The Hunger Games did that. I know I the forgot. first one did. I just forgot. Yeah, it's fine. It's worth forgetting. This tells you a lot. Something about Native Americans and something about a gateway to the dark universe. And there's a light universe. And, oh my gosh, I wish I could remember more. Because this, this scroll goes on for... A solid two minutes. Yeah, it's at least two minutes. Yeah. If I can find... The abiscus was in it. The the abacus. The ascaris. The little doorknob that they were missing was in it. Yeah, which I'm still not convinced that that's what that thing was. It was. I'm telling you it was. You tell me that, but I don't know. It was. It was. What else would it have been? I don't know, because she said that one of the pieces was the... Or she was like... Doctor, did you find the thingy thing? And he's like, nope. But we saw that he had that little piece in there. 
Right. But he was, was lying to her. Well, yeah, but was that little piece the thing? No, it was all together. Was but the thing. we don't know that because I... nobody says this is what this is. It's of all the things to not tell us about in this movie, this is one of them that they should have told us about. Oh, for sure, for sure. So after we get this opening scrawl, we're at an orphanage. So this old man says to this nun, like, we're taking your children. This is to save the human race or something along those lines. And she says, you can't do that. And he said, this is what you signed up for. This is what you signed off on. Basically implying that this, I hope that I was able to cut it out, but (laughs) Caitlin just sneezed three (laughs) times and she just has this look on her face like she's going to sneeze. I thought I was going to sneeze. I'm good. Uh, they're like, no, we're taking these kids because you signed off on this. So first of all, this nun is a terrible woman. And she said... She gave away the kids. She basically gave away these kids. She sold the kids to the government. And what did she get out of it? Nothing. Oh, yeah, that's the important thing. There's this organization called 713. And they deal with paranormal stuff. So this nun is played by Karen Conival. And... You might recognize her face from stuff, but she also played Maurice in the recent Planet of the Apes movies. She did all the motion capture and stuff. So that's kind of cool. There's a lot of people in this movie who are in a lot of good things. Yeah. And it makes you realize that these people were underutilized by. Absolutely. Like Tara Reid. No, (laughs) she needed to be in another shark movie. She's pretty great in that Sharknado film. I know. Can't wait till we talk about that. What a classic. We find out that one of the orphans, there's 20 orphans, one of them went missing. And then we see this kid in... No, you mean 20 of them went missing and one escaped? Wait, what? There were 20 kids total. Right. One of them escaped. Oh, okay. So they were only able to get 19. The thing is, they say that they transported 20 of them, so they took 20 of them mm-hmm. but then he says but when we did a head count when we got there there was 19 yeah so who watched this kid get off this bus or no, who didn't count him didn't putting count. him on the bus yeah they miscounted either way it's very confusing as to how this progressed oh i had no idea what was going on at this point and I'm, we're like four minutes in this movie made more sense the second time only because we had watched it one time before and had the scrawl, the opening scroll read to us again. Yeah. Maybe we should have just printed it out and had it with us. That would, you know what they should do is they should give you a pamphlet. Anytime you watch this movie, (laughs) you need to actually read this book before you can watch the film. Yes. A small dungeon master's guide (laughs) of the creatures and people in this movie. Yeah. I like that. Let's let's make it for them. That's we should. We that should would be make a great idea. The definitive bad movie date night, alone in the dark viewing guide, companion. I like that. Let's do it. 2019 edition. All right, that's it. We're making it. So this uh, this professor Lionel Hudgens, he's the guy taking kids. We cut to a kid. Oh, he tells them, "Hey, you're going to call the police whenever we leave." Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the logistics of calling the police. She just admitted to the police that 20 children have gone missing. Mm-hmm. Why is this woman still allowed to operate 
an orphanage. Right? That's what I'm saying. Especially, you lost 20 children under your watch. Well, then one of them shows up again mm-hmm. and because he, he was hiding in an electrical box. Yeah. He saw the dog creature things. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, he stayed with this woman at yeah. this orphanage. And continued to like her. Yeah. And he was a, he was the only one for God knows how long. Mm-hmm. At one point, there's a scene, a flashback that shows that all the kids just show up one night. Yeah. He says. But uh, they're back. Yeah. He said, what's the nun's name? Sister Clara. He says, Sister Clara, they're all back and they run in the room and all the kids are asleep in their beds. Yep. Like How'd they nothing get there? happened. Nothing happened. Because the government. Because the government. Cut to Cut modern to day. Modern day. Christian Slater. Mr. 1980s himself. Yeah. I don't, is that, do people call him that? Because that I should, know. I don't know. That should be his new name. That should be his new name. Christian Slater is playing our protagonist, Edward Carnby. And in this opening scene, he is the biggest jerk to this child ever. Have you watched a Slater movie where he wasn't a jerk? I think I've only seen two Christian Slater movies. Okay. Unless you count Archer. And he was a jerk in both. And Archer. And Archer. So I think he's a jerk in real life. He might, he's kind of got that face. He does. Do you think that J- that Christian Slater looks like a young Jack Nicholson? Oh, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But his voice is way cooler. That's the only thing he has going for him. Christian Slater? Yeah. Yeah, he's got a quite unique voice. I know, I like it. I really like it. This kid starts talking about how he thinks that his neighbors are vampires. And he says, my parents tell me that I have nothing to be afraid of in the dark. And Mr. Carnby, Christian Slater, says, that's just what your parents tell you. Everything you in the dark is terrifying. Right. And the kid says, you want to look at my coloring book? And the guy says, nope. He, like, takes it. But then he continues to tell this kid about how <laughs> he should be afraid of the dark because it's smart for him. Yeah. He's just trying to save that kid's life. He's not a jerk. He's just trying to save his life. Yeah, but the look on the kid's face... <laughs> And then... And you, like, make sure the mom is sleeping. Yeah. Reaper. Also, this kid's kind of a jerk because you should just not talk to random people this on trains. This is true. On this planes. is true. Edward gets into this taxi cab, which is very important, but there's some narration where he's like, I bet you thought I was a jerk to that kid. That's yeah. my Christian Slater But voice. I'm just saving him. But I'm just, I'm just trying to save his life. Right. He gets in this taxi. A taxi is following his taxi. He mm-hmm. says to the taxi driver, hey, this dude in the taxi behind us is following us. We should tail him. Tail pro- him? Or we should, we should lose, lose him. him. Thus proceeds the slowest car chase in yeah. the history <laughs> of film. I would guesstimate they were probably going 30 miles an hour. If that. If that. It was so slow. He tells this guy to turn down into a market and then proceeds to tell the kid, hey, stay in the car and then he gets out of the car <laughs> while the other taxi hits his taxi and probably kills that driver. Yeah, we never see him again. We never see him again. Probably because he killed himself. Probably because <laughs> he killed. He got killed. He got he didn't killed. Kill himself. Well, maybe. He- we don't know. He was probably like, this movie sucks. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Then. There's a fight with 
a bald guy that I really wanted to be Stone Cold Steve Austin, but was not. Looked like him Did. at first. Carnby. Oh, we should mention that Carnby's got this thing in his pocket that looks like a fossil thingy. Right. Don't but know, we what, don't it know is. what it is. Right. He, or why he has it. Yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin is apparently immune to the forces Bullets. of nature. Well, yeah, because the, the uh, Christian Slayer shoots him several times, and he right through the heart. Yeah, and he's indestructible. But then he falls on a pokey thing, because they're at like an ice. What is that? What is that even called? Like a fishmonger? Yeah. Factory like warehouse. It. Go with it. He falls on like this fish hook thing, mm-hmm. and it kills him mm-hmm. instantly. You want to know what I was thinking at this point in the movie? Why did we choose to watch this? No. I was thinking that, but I was also thinking, what is happening? Like, I, I just didn't know what was happening. Like, yeah. I was so confused, and I was like, this guy is getting shot with bullets and bleeding, but he's not dying. And Christian Slater is a jerk, and I don't really know what anyone is doing or why anyone is doing anything, and I don't really care about it. It's the kind of scene that would normally open a movie such as this. Yeah. And it would be used to draw you in. Yeah. Like, who's this guy? Right. Who's this guy chasing him? But instead, it, you just are so bewildered by what is happening. Right. Especially because of everything that came before it. Right. That you don't care. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I... I was kind of rooting for Christian Slater to die in so the scene. So the movie would just be over so with. So the movie would just be over with. Yeah. But he lives. Yeah. So, I mean, I was just kind of thinking, like, yeah. Meanwhile, what? at a nearby museum, Tara Reid is a assistant cu- curator. Right. Assisting the curator mm-hmm. with this Abernathy Indian exhibit. Mm-hmm. And a package from for her boss from her boss, Professor Hudgens shows up and she says, I can open this. And the delivery guy says, but it says it should only be opened by Professor Hudgens. And she said, I'm the assistant curator. She's also wearing the baggiest clothes in the entire world. She was wearing really baggy clothes and she I, had her hair up like a librarian. I don't think she knew what she was supposed to be. I don't either. Well, I think this is probably how that conversation went. Tara Reid says, I'm tired of being sexualized in my movies. I would like to be more scholarly. And they said, great. Here's this oversized T-shirt and pants and put your hair up in a bun and wear glasses. I could see that. But I could also see them telling her like, you're going to be an exam curator. An exam curator? A museum curator. And she was like, I don't really know what that is. And so she probably just Googled it, and that's what came up, and she's like, oh, I can do that. Probably. That's how I think it went. Your guess is as good Tara as Tara Reid, you out there? Tell me how it went. <laughs> Tara Reid would be, like, the one celebrity to talk to us out of, like, Everybody. I'll do all Tara Reid movies on this podcast from now on if she answers me. Welcome to Bad Tara Reid Movie Day Night. That's right. We got a lot of Sharknados to watch. So many Sharknados. That's right. The Then we cut to the, the professor. He's on a boat. Mm-hmm. And they found
on a box, mm-hmm. and that's all that we're given for the time being. Mm-hmm. Edward goes back to his apartment. Slash warehouse. Slash warehouse. Slash he, prop room. Slash prop room. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was just the prop room. Yeah, he... This man... How how do you describe this? Because it's he does live in a warehouse. Yes. And based on the number of boxes lying around, it is probably still an active warehouse. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he has like uh, a bed is pretty much all we see and like some tables. But it looks like it's uh, all from the museum that he works at. But he doesn't work for the museum. Oh, right. He just dates, he dates the girl that works for the museum. So she likes yeah. slipping him free stuff. He he has a bed and one of those screens that women use to change behind, I right. guess, uh-huh. or whatever. And that's, yeah. I guess, his wall to from separate the warehouse. to separate the head of his bed from the rest of the warehouse, right. but not the other three sides of his bed. No, and a computer. Yep, and I think maybe a lamp. There was a vase. But I'm pretty sure it's from the museum. So yeah, he also has a really high tech computer for 2005. That was high tech. Well, he had that little scanner thingy where he just like pointed it and it scanned the object. Okay. Guess we could do that in 2005. All right. Can't even do that that. now. (laughs) The, oh, and then we get all of the people that just get up and leave their house Mm -hmm. and we don't know why, but we do find out later. Honestly, anything between then and, like, when he goes back to his apartment and kills all those people, mm-hmm. major blur for me. We just watched this movie last night. Ow. Um, okay, so let's go back to the professor on the boat for a second. Okay. The captain of the boat says, this is solid gold. Mm-hmm. And he says, don't open that. There's something dangerous inside. Mm-hmm. And the captain says... Forget you, I'm opening this box. So the professor locks himself in the cabin of the boat, and everybody gets murdered. Yeah, everyone. After he opens this thing. Everyone got murdered. Should be noted that when this scene starts, they're on the water, mm-hmm. and by the time it ends, they're at a dock. I told you the thing that was in the box docked the boat for them so he could get on land. I do not think that the dog monsters (laughs) have the intelligence to dock a boat. I don't know. They seem to have survived for many years. What? Were they they dog monsters or were they the Indian people from the beginning script that like got turned into dog monsters? Maybe that's the ambiguity of the end of the movie. Maybe. But I'm going to say no. No. Well... It could be. It could be. Anything Anything <laughs> could be possible with this movie. So he, uh, the professor's like, I'm going to get out of here because I lived and I just let all these people die. We should establish, though, that supposedly this gold box is a way to keep this monster from killing people. Mm-hmm. And yet he was in a regular room. So why did he not get murdered? We do not know. I could not figure that one out. Especially since he didn't lock the door. He just put like a strip of metal in front of it. Yeah, that was weird. Maybe it was gold metal. A little tiny strip of gold metal? Yeah. I don't think so. It could be. Maybe they're allergic to all gold. You have a gold ring on? You're safe. Then we go back to the museum. And for some reason, Edward says, I got to go to the museum. 
and he sees Tara Reed, and she says, Edward! And she's excited to see him, and she gives him a big old hug and a smooch, and then punches him in the face, because apparently he's been missing for three months. Mm-hmm. Don't know why she responded to him that way. I mean, I understand the punch in the face, if, like, he just dropped off the face of the earth. Don't understand why she was excited to see him first. I don't know. I'm so conflicted by that, because I feel like I would just be happy, and then, like, Several minutes later, I would be like, I'm so mad that you didn't tell me you're okay. I thought you were dead. There's really no bearing on Tara Reed's character and her emotional There's state throughout this movie. no development on her character either. There's no development of any character. There's not. Not one character develops in this movie. At one point, we're introduced to Stephen Durf and, Steph- and 713. Uh, Stephen, our buddy from True Detective Season 3... No, that was a good show. He plays Commander Richard Burke. Uh, th- that I guess they're like tracking these things because they can see a large collection of them. But I think I thought we were led to believe that there was only one of them for the time being. I don't. There's a whole cave of them. Yeah, but we don't find that out until the end of the movie. Nobody else knows that? I don't know. I don't know either. Because the professor seems like he was trying to figure out how to open that door at the end. Oh, I'm not sure. The The monster attacks them. The Commander Burke and his buddies, they show up. And they... I don't know if they kill the monster. Like, I think they do. Or the monster gets away. I think the monster gets away. Oh, that's right. Because then the professor has it in a cage. Yes. But we don't know where that cage is. No. And the museum is on lockdown. I mean, that really doesn't matter. Like, nothing in this movie matters. Then we go back to Edward's apartment. And Tara Reed goes with him. And they've got this ancient Mayan-looking key thing. And they're like, this is it. This is the thing we've been looking for. Mm-hmm. Look, that matches the design. Of, the sideways design of it matches this area, this part of the world that we're in, which is ambiguous. I don't know. But then, like, oh, we just missed a major part where he talks to the doctor guy. Yeah, but that I don't think that was that important because he just said a lot of stuff. Like he was just like, "Oh, blah blah blah, blah. this is how you kill them." But then that doesn't even work, and then he's like, blah, blah, blah. and then well, you have bugs inside a, of you. Blah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we find out that the bald guy had this bug thing attached to his spine mm-hmm. that looks like a centipede. We find out that Carnby's got one, but it's dead for some reason, and he says it was because it electrocuted him as a kid. And the only reason that the bald guy stopped attacking him is because his was split in half. We're assuming by the, the spiky pole thing. And so we don't know why these bugs are in people, but it's safe to assume it's the in, government did it. Well, it's in all of the, the orphan kids, the, the orphan kids who are right. adults now who are all conveniently walking to Carnby's house, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I don't know who told them or what. The problem is we don't know who the bad guy is or what he's trying to do. We don't know who the bad guy is. And then, like, all of those orphan kids get up. They, well, they're adults now. They get up. They just leave their house in the middle of the night. And adults. they just walk like zombies to Carn- Carn- 
And they make them look like zombies, too, with, like, dark, sunken eyes, and their skin's kind of pale. Yeah, and they just walk to his house. And then, like, but, like, I just didn't understand. I don't know why they still knew him. Why they were, did they know him? Who was telling them to go there and why? Did did the government want him dead? But we know that he was friends with the one guy because he had that voicemail from him. Right. But he was surprised that the rest of them were missing. I know. But here's the other thing is we don't, that really has no bearing on the plot at all. I feel like we're just confusing everyone. We're just confusing ourselves. (laughs) They break into his house, and he murders all of them. Yeah, he somehow kills all the orphan kids and doesn't feel a lick bad about it. And the 713 military guys show up in their paintball gear. Fun fact, they were all wearing paintball gear. Right. Because it looks futuristic. Does it? In 2005, it did. Oh, okay. They murder everybody. Okay. But then some of those monster things show up. There's more than one monster thing, apparently. I think because they, like, were... Procreating. But there was just one of them. But I don't know. I don't know either. I feel defeated during this podcast. Well, like you keep talking, and I keep saying like, uh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, and then you're putting me to sleep because it's so boring. I'm putting myself to sleep. I'm putting our audience to sleep. (laughs) It's one of those things where, like, I'm like, do I have a 20 episode podcast curse? Like, is this it? (laughs) Is this going to be the end of us? We should have done a big one for the 20th. What were we thinking? We weren't thinking. Could have done well, Beyond th- the Gates. I thought that this was going to be more fun than it was, but this movie was just a slog. It was. It was so bad. It was It was not enjoyable. I did not like watching it. I don't like talking about <laughs> it. <laughs> it was just so bad. Like, there is a level of, like, so bad it's good, right? Like, Plan 9. That was so bad, but, like... But there's parts that you can, like, make, right. like, ha-ha. Or, like, like oh, I followed the story, so, like, that was helpful. I think what makes bad movies, like, the worst is when I can't even follow the story. So I don't know what is going on. I don't care about anything that's going on. And I think whoever made this movie should not make movies anymore. Well, he doesn't. He has a very successful restaurant in Germany. Like a five-star restaurant that apparently That's is amazing. weird. Okay. So we should mention that during the shootout, it turns into like a heavy metal music video where they think they're in the Matrix or something. Yeah. And if you have epilepsy, don't watch the scene. How long was this movie? This movie, if you want me to be as specific as possible, is an hour and 36 minutes. It definitely felt... Longer, but also then talking about the plot, it feels shorter. The only like three things happen in this movie. Right, that's what I was saying. And it all takes place like what, what within like the same two days, day and a half. Maybe. I'm not sure. Time was confusing in this movie. <laughs> so, after they murder everybody at his apartment, all of his orphan friends he grew up with, as we can see, they said hey, there's these orphans coming after you. And he said, great, let's kill all of them so we don't have to worry about them anymore. Which, what does that even mean? And why were they coming after him? That's were th- they bad? This I whole, don't know. <laughs> this whole movie's like, hey, let's introduce this super serious thing, and then in the next scene we'll just... Ignore it. We'll just ignore it. Kind of like, they're like, uh-oh. 
Carnby, you got one of those bug things in you. And it's like, dun, dun, dun. Like, is he going to turn into a bad guy? And then we never hear it or mention it again. No, because the next time they cut to that scene, they're like, oh, it's dead. You find. You're okay. So the government was evil and trying to put the bug things in them? But then why does they kill it now? What was the point? Oh, I don't like this. I don't like this. <laughs> I feel like we're slowly losing our sanity talking about this movie. It's killing me. Okay, let's just skip ahead. Let's it's just talk about the me. ending as quickly as we can. It's too hard. I so, can't. for some reason, 713 knows that there is a large concentration of these monster thingies at this gold mine. How does he know that? But then he's surprised and confused about the beds in there. Because he wasn't, he didn't remember the beds. Okay. So they say, all right, let's do this. Wait, was Carnegie, wait, was not Carnegie. Carnby? The police officer. Was he an orphan? Burke? Yeah. No. Okay. They just worked together. That's right. Okay, that's That's an important right. thing that we should probably mention that really has no bearing on the story, but apparently. Does anything have bearing on the story? Carnby and Burke work together. <laughs> Tell me what has bearing on the story. I don't know. <laughs> but I really, like, people, if someone has listened to this podcast up until this point. They probably fell asleep. They were probably driving somewhere, listening to this podcast. Let, we just killed 20 people. Probably. Because this is so boring. Because this They're probably like, wait, wait, wait. I thought that this was that and that was that. Look. <laughs> Honestly, Your guess is as good as mine. Our description might be more clear than the movie was. Probably. But just barely. So they fight the monster things. And while the whole group is fighting the monster Monsters. things, Carnby, Burke, and Tara Reed go down into the gold mine. They take some people to sacrifice to the booby traps. They take people to sacrifice to the booby traps? It's not like they took them on purpose. It's a storytelling oh. thing. Oh. It's like the red shirts in Star Trek. <laughs> okay, okay. They're like, hey, military guys, come with us. And then they realize, like, oh, there are these booby traps. Guess we have to kill off this character we just introduced 30 seconds ago. Oh, okay, okay. I thought you meant they did that on purpose. No, 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 no. Okay. At one point, Burke says, oh, it looks like a dead end. We should go back, but it's not a dead end. And Carnby says, no, we keep going. <laughs> Do you like my Christian Slater impression? Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Is it like spot on? No, but it's good. <laughs> uh, eventually, they find this wall and they say, oh, it looks like somebody was trying to brick something off. We should blow up this wall. Right. So they blow up the wall and they find a lab. And in this lab, and there are a bunch the of lab, beds. There was a dark, dark box. And inside that dark, dark There was a pink jelly bean. There was a pink jelly bean. Did anybody else hear that story? Yeah, I had that story as a kid. It's a, it's a book? I, it, was like a sh- it was like a story in a collection of children's horror scary stories or whatever. Really? My dad used to t- tell me that all the time, but I never had the book. I always thought it was a story my dad made up. Lies, Dad. Lies. Calling him out. He probably didn't make it to this point in the podcast. So <laughs> he called him out. 
They and there's a bunch of beds in there, and Carnby's name is on one. Mm -hmm. And they say, "Oh, look, all of these documents have 713." Mm -hmm. And then you find out that 713 basically kidnapped these kids and was behind everything. But what that means, we don't really know because nope. we don't know who the bad. Well, like I think the professor guy is supposed to be the bad guy. Is but he? We don't know what he's trying to do. I don't know. I have. He was Rachel, trying to I put, have zero ideas. What he is trying to do, I don't know what Christian Slater is trying to do. I have Christian Slater's no idea what Tara Reid uh, from what from the the monsters. But he was the one that let the monsters out. But he didn't let the monsters out. He almost let all those monsters out of that. Well, yeah, yeah, thing. yeah. They closed it. But what if they hadn't? Well, then they would all die. Okay. But I don't Everyone know. Everyone dies anyway. But I don't know why it matters if the door was open or closed because somehow a hundred of them managed to find their way to the surface anyway. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. They kill the professor after he throws With a that, knife at the guy. That was a cool knife, knife move. Uh, then Burke sacrifices himself to blow up the lab mm -hmm. and the door and the monsters and Christian Slater and Tara Reed run out of a and all of a sudden it's daytime how do we how did they get into that tunnel thing they found another entrance oh and then they came out the other way yeah okay and conveniently the tunnel comes out by the orphanage by the orphanage that did not make sense it did not but they go inside the orphanage and they find that sister clara killed herself which i don't know why she would wait to do that now i don't i don't know i don't i guess there's no time like the present reasons <laughs> and the whole city's gone mm -hmm. now this is the confusing thing <laughs> we are told that these monsters cannot stand sunlight right it is daytime right all right so here's one issue he starts narrating about how the same thing must have happened to the Indians back in the day. Mm -hmm. But then we're told... Like, literal words come up on the screen. That says that the city was evacuated. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what we're supposed to think with this. Because if a city's... First of all, it doesn't look like the city was evacuated. It looks like people just up and disappeared. Right. Because, like, car, there's, like... But the streets are but, empty. Yeah, if people disappeared, the, their cars would be in the streets. I don't know. Some of them were in the streets. Yeah, but, okay, like, four total. Yeah. Well, they didn't have enough money to have that many cars. But they had, they had like, dozens of them parked on the side of the road. It cost extra to put them out. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, and then the, the camera moves really fast at Christian Slater and Tara Reed, and like a dog is chasing them. Yeah, and that it cuts to black. That's the end. That's it. So you tell me what happened in Nigel, that movie I and don't what know. was it about? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We know that there's bug things. We know that there's dog monster things. Look, man, I don't know. It's too much, man. Too much, man. I don't know. This movie was horrible. Don't watch it. I did not enjoy this date night with you. Just kidding. I really enjoyed it with you, just not the movie. And the fact that we had to watch it twice in one week. So this is streaming for free on Tubi or Tubby. If you hate yourself. It's T-U-B-I. I would not recommend that you watch this movie. 
No. You will you will be more confused about this movie by the time it ends than when you this started. This podcast. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry that we couldn't make this movie sound fun for you guys. Uh, Kaylin, would you like to guess just exactly how much this movie made? It $20 went, million it, it, dollar budget. It went into theaters? I think so. $20 million budget. Okay, and I for once I actually have the U.S. gross and the worldwide gross. Why don't you try to guess both of them? Oh, boy. U.S., I'm going to go with $5 million. You won. I'm right. You are right. That's oppressive. Okay, let's see if I can guess worldwide. $10 million. No, it was $12 million. Dang it. You suck at this. Uh, I was so close. So do we think that Tara Reid and Christian Slater are going to be end up together in I the end? I don't Are know. they going to last? Are they dead? Well, there's a sequel, so probably not. I don't think she's in the sequel. I mean, okay, so there is a sequel to this movie. Christian Slater is not in it, but his character is. Let's see if... Uh, let's see if she is in the second one. No, there's someone named Natalie Dexter. That's okay. the character's name. Oh boy, I feel like Do we should watch the second last? one. No, they're not gonna last. What are you talking about? Also, Carnby in the second one is played by an Asian. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with it. It just is kind of confusing. A after huge you departure. Have, yeah. It also has Danny Trejo in it. Man, we gotta watch this. I feel like we gotta watch this. But I feel let's like not we, talk about it. Yeah, the couple's definitely not gonna last. No. Because they're either dead. <laughs> they're or probably dead. He just kind of seems like a selfish individual. Takes he is. What if the sequel takes place in their subconscious? Like they they did die in the first one. They're not really dead yet, like a purgatory thing. And they maybe. have to fight to get back to yeah, life. Yeah, but that so the reason that he's Asian is like that's how they view themselves in their mind. Yeah. Oh, that could be good. You're probably already <laughs> giving too much thought into the sequel for this movie. So speaking of that, though, I was thinking about this. This movie would be vastly improved if. He was trying to find the missing people. We need the thing is like we don't know what he's doing. Mm -mm. We don't know what he wants. Mm -mm. We don't know what his desires are. Nope. We don't know what any character wants or what their desires or motivations are. Right. So if he just had one job, you had minimum, one job. But he didn't have one job. He had no job. <laughs> he had no jobs. He had the job of not letting that guy kill him. In the first scene. Right. And he succeeded. And he succeeded in that. Mission over, movie it's over. It's like, what is he trying to do for the rest of the movie? I don't know, man. I don't know. So that's how I would change this movie. That one, that at the bare minimum, mm -hmm. if he was just trying to figure out what happened to all of those people that went missing, this would be a vastly different movie. Be a great movie. Yep. All right. Let's do it. Remake. Go. Remake. Except I do not want to touch this movie with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> but we could get Tom Hardy in this. There it is. We could get some <laughs> Kate Winslet. 
Kate Winslet? <laughs> yeah. She could be Tara Reed. Tom Hardy. Kate Winslet. Um, the midget guy from Scare Tactics. He <laughs> is the the dog thing. Okay. Alternative take on this movie. Okay. There is a team of superheroes. No. <laughs> There's a team okay. of 713 operatives. Okay. They are trying to Scarlett find Johansson. these missing people. No. <laughs> I want her in this movie. I want. With Kate Winslet. I what? want Tracy Morgan as the black guy. <laughs> I want Tom Hardy as the muscle. I want Camille Nanjiani as the funny guy. Perfect. Kate Winslet as the woman. I love her. Who's like the serious and one. Like Can we like, get like a rocket raccoon figure in this too? That would be the Tracy Morgan character. No, I want like an actual like small little raccoony thing. Oh. Or like animal thing. What if one of the the girl, uh-huh. Kate Winslet, she's a scientist, right? Mm-hmm. And she's she's got a tough exterior because she's never been taken seriously because she's a woman mm-hmm. in her field, even though she's really smart. She has trained one of the bug things, the little centipede To be things, their bestie. To be her like pet. And so now yes. she can like throw it at people yep. and it crawls in people's ear, like the monster ear and like nom, 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 nom. All right. That's it. This is perfect movie. Kate Winslet, Tom Hardy, Tracy Morgan, Camille. Nanjiani. Nanjiani. I'm calling you up tomorrow. We just We're remade get the best movie <laughs> of all time. Who should voice the... It's it's got no voice. No voice, just it's a just thing. Like, it's okay. just like a little. All right, let's do this. I am pumped about this movie now. I like how you always get excited right at the end of the podcast <laughs> when we start pitching. This is my favorite movies. part. <laughs> I love making movies. <laughs> as long as it has Tom Hardy in it, I don't even know how that even got started though because. Tom Hardy be not even a good actor. I mean, no, he is, but I just don't like his voice because I Get can't out. understand. No, he's a good actor. I just can't understand what he's saying to me. And it makes me sad. Oh, no, it's going 20. Oh, you want to put this at number 20? Yes, yeah, bad. I'd rewatch and make before I rewatch this movie. Yeah, I think that's where it should go. I mean, I get this world. I would watch Plan 9 before we watch this film. Okay, that's saying a lot. I was really hoping that like this list would look really nice and I could post a picture of it on Instagram, but I messed up you by messed forgetting up. to put Jason X on there. Mm. Maybe I'll just put the put this version on there so people can feel included in our podcast. All right, do it. Would you like to tie up any loose ends of the story? I can't. Do you have I any don't final know. Thoughts about this movie? I don't know, and if anyone knows, hit me up. I don't Tell know what me this what movie you is know. about. I don't know. Could be about anything. The war on drugs? Probably about that. Do you remember that one scene where the professor took the blood from the monster and put it in him? What was that about? I don't know. Do you know? No, I don't know. I was Who asking knows? you. I don't know. People are blowing up my phone because of the wedding. Just ignore it. It's very distracting. All right, let's uh, wrap this up. We got nothing else to say. 
don't watch this movie. Actually, you should watch this movie because I feel like people are going to believe how bad this movie is. So watch it to believe us. And then if you want to watch something good after that, you should go check out this amazing music video that my husband made with his friend who has a really good singing voice and it's a very good song and it gets stuck in my head. And then my husband made the music video for it and it's phenomenal and it's like the best music video that you will ever lay eyes on. So watch something crappy like this movie and then watch a mind-blowing music video. And because Kaylin didn't give any details. <laughs> he just song, had to find it. <laughs> the song is Strange World Strange by World. Paper Compass. By Paper Compass. Music video by Nigel Durfler. Whoop, whoop. I think you should post it on Journey Into Films Insta so that they can watch it because it was so good it was amazing so there you go as always you should like and subscribe to our podcast you should leave us some reviews someone left us a five star review and I don't recognize the username so that's kind of cool maybe it's somebody who's not us Hey, but they said that we had good chemistry together so I feel like that's kind of positive that's so nice of them Uh, thank you person i don't know i, know. I like I you as a good down. person you know what i'm gonna do it for next podcast all right but i'm pretty sure the person knows that <laughs> we're talking about them. them shout out to you person yeah thanks so for being a decent human being subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss out on a new episode That's you right. can find us on apple music and spotify tell your friends about us it's the 20th episode so we should celebrate by telling people about how exciting this podcast is That's right. You can also, this is not a good episode. This is a very bad... Don't let people listen to this episode first. <laughs> go They'll to, like, like Plan 9 or... No, go to Jason X for sure. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a, that good, was a one. good one. Or Battlefield Earth. That was a good one, too. Yeah. Shopping Mall. That was a good one, too. <gasps> Stalked by my doctor. Patience Revenge. That might also be my a favorite good episode. That was a good one. Also Spider-Man. That's a good one, too. Spider-Man You're just there. gonna work your way through our list of movies that we've done. <laughs> the Wicker Man, that was good. All uh, right. <laughs> you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Journey Into Film. You can buy Journey Into Film t-shirts on a journeyintofilm.com. You can also buy Bad Movie Date Night t-shirts on a journeyintofilm.com. Do it. Uh, yeah, because money from shirts goes to making this podcast more better. That's right. And next week, we're going to talk about a very great movie from ABC Family called My Future Boyfriend. So you should uh, watch that. You should definitely watch it. It's available on Hulu. I feel like I'm going to have to watch that again. I'm going to watch clips of it again. You say that every time, and then we end up watching the whole movie again. No, I feel like I could talk about it. All right, let's start. Let's get in this one. Start on that one. You know what? Ready, set, go. Uh, All nighter. Do you have anything else you want to add? No. <laughs> Did I cover everything? Yeah. Okay. And uh, just to clarify, this movie is now number 20 on our definitive bad movie date light. Date light list? Yeesh. This movie is now number 20 on our bad movie date night definitive ranking list. Perfect. I definitely didn't say that right, but it's on the list and it's last because it's a stinking oh, pile of doo-doo. Yes. All right. We're, it's late. We're going to go to bed, and we'll see you guys next time. Okay, bye.